A little research into product marketing, and the name Justin Jackson will show up a lot. Whether he's running his podcasting platform, Transistor FM, his bootstrapper community, Megamaker, his blog, multiple podcasts, or Twitter, Justin Jackson is prolific. Justin thinks a lot about product launches and marketing. He doesn't accept conventional wisdom. He's a keen observer of both business and consumer behaviors. He says rather than trying to get the market to find your product, you need to take your product to the market. This is the second of two parts of our conversation with Justin Jackson. It covers a lot of ground, but it's always focused on finding the market for your product, talking about the dynamics and elements in and out of your control that can affect the visibility and adoption of a product. In this episode, Justin picks up where he left off, talking about how entering a massive established market can actually work in your favor. I think for most folks, you want to target a big market. And my friend Ruben, for example, just launched a company, and I thought he was crazy. He launched a, a, a software product in the digital signing um, niche, right? The, you've heard of... Uh, digital signatures? Do- like VeriSign? Or is this- uh, DocuSign, VeriSign. Docu- okay. Uh, I think, well, actually, I'm not sure if VeriSign's one, but DocuSign is the biggest yeah, one. VeriSign's two- authentication, so yeah. Okay. So DocuSign has over 200 million users. You know, real estate agents use it when they're selling a house. And and to me, I go, don't go into that market. That's like, a, they've got it all wrapped up. It's sewn up, yeah. But he goes, no, that's a big market. There was billions of dollars done in that market uh, last year. If I introduce a product where there's all of this demand, there, there's just a rushing river of demand And I say, well, I'm just going to try to capture a little bit of it. He has a good chance of building a really good business because it's not just a gentle stream that he has to capture. This is there's plenty of water in this river. It is rushing. There is lots of opportunity. And I think uh, in retrospect, the mistakes I've made are thinking too small as opposed to thinking, no, what's what's the biggest possible market I could target. Not in the sense of I want people to go too general and say their product is for everybody, but certainly... Well, I would would suggest that that's when you need market segmentation, though. You need to have... You can't target, unless you're huge, unless you're Apple, you can't target all of a massive market. So Mm -hmm. being able to divide that up into into little niche groups that you can target and you can Mm -hmm. satisfy and delight. And yeah. that that's when that minimal market seems to make the most sense to me. So you're not yeah, that, thinking so small that you can point. never go big. You're not limited right out of the gates. It's taking yeah. a big market and going after small bits of that that are manageable so you can create success for your early customers and get them to, to go out and, and sing the praises of your product. To me, that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. You just want to make sure that the total addressable market is bigger than this little group you're starting with. Yeah, unless you're planning to just stay small and you you just want to sustain yourself, because that would be, you know, if you were creating a, a podcast platform for, for people who uh, do podcasts just for a very narrow group of people, then mm-hmm. you better be satisfied with maybe you can capture almost 100% of those. But once you're there, you have you either have to, to change your overall plan or be happy with that, that, that small group. Yeah, the, the only thing is in my experience, whenever I've tried that, it's like you said before, if the total market worldwide is a thousand, it just becomes you're expending way more energy going out and trying to find those thousand people 
as opposed to if the global market is a million and you can kind of capture them uh, just, you know, uh, I'm looking for another metaphor, you know, like when when the when the salmon are going doing the salmon run and, you know, if the bear is too early, he's really hunting hard to get that salmon. Right. There's no one there. But if he comes during the salmon uh, salmon run, he can he can yeah. eat fish all day he's, long. He's got right? more than he There's needs. just so many there. He can pick the fattest ones. That's right. That's right. And, and so I uh, starting transistor has been the uh, it's the most successful business I've ever been a part of. Yeah, congratulations! Actually, I read that the 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 blog post that you put out recently saying that you you've gone into that full time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just we just uh, both went full time on it, and uh, I mean we're still a small business, but the feeling, the difference in in feeling of other things I've been involved with, including other you know products I've consulted for and other companies I've worked for as an employee, the feeling is different. It feels right now that we're in a rushing river. And this could change. (laughs) Markets change all the time, right? So this could be here today and gone tomorrow. That is possible. But what I'm trying to capture is the, the feeling of what we have right now is different than what I've experienced in the past, which is you're really hunting for those customers. You're really working hard for every sale, as opposed to opening your door each day, you know, opening up shop, and there's a lineup lineup of a thousand people. Yeah, yeah. So you're having that organic growth where you know that you're doing something right because you're not doing something that's totally unique. And that's Mm -mm. an amazing thing. You know, we talk about coming in and trying to replace Slack. Well, you know, you're coming in and, and trying to replace all kinds of different platforms that, that are available to people that are that are better known. So it's, mm-hmm. it's to me that's that's a huge victory and it and it's not easy to do. Well, except it is easy to do when there's a lot of people. It, it's just like it, we opened a, another ice cream stand on the same beach. So, you know, we have competitors like Libsyn has been here forever and they had their ice cream stand. And people are used to lining up for Libsyn. And just think about any lineup. So you're in the you're in the lineup for Libsyn ice cream at the beach. All of a sudden, Justin and John come along. They, they've got a, a tiny little ice cream bike, and they open up uh, Transistor ice cream. All of a sudden, you're in that long Libsyn line, and you're not getting very good service, and you're just waiting forever. You look at our line, and you go, "Oh, well, that one's way shorter. I'm going to go over there." It's because the, the, the demand is so high, you can show up as a newcomer and people go, oh, well, instead of waiting for Libsyn ice cream, I'm just going to go here and get this right away. I, I'm not saying the product doesn't matter. I think product does matter. But the, all of this is built on the foundation of market and what the potential is within the market. And you're right. So, you know, Libsyn's serving the same old ice cream all the time. We show up and we're smaller. People can tell we're smaller. We've just got a little little bicycle, uh, you know, uh, cart or whatever. But they, oh, they they serve vanilla and they serve Rocky Road. Okay, well, all of a sudden we have something different. Um, we're new, and there's enough demand. Pe- there's enough people that just want ice cream in the first place that they might come by us on the way. They might give us a shot. Hey, what do you have? Oh, we have vanilla and Rocky Road. Oh, I've never had Rocky Road. All right, I'll, I'll line up here. Um, so product, product does matter. 
but the I I I'm really excited about this idea of market first because I think it sounds intuitive, but it seems to be what most folks miss when they're launching something new. I, I think about something like Nestle, which is you know huge food and chocolate company, and mm-hmm. when you go to Germany, <clears throat> there's a lot of dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a very you know very particular sort of sixty five seventy percent. When you go to Switzerland, uh, it's a lower, but it's still darker than North America. North America is almost universally milk chocolate. That's the number one thing that sells. And then when you go to Asia, it's actually really bitter and it's different than dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. And they have they have they understand each of their markets to the point where mm-hmm. they modify their products. It does ex- chocolate does chocolate everywhere. Everyone has mm-hmm. chocolate for the same reasons, but what they prefer, they're so attentive that they actually customize their product to do the job for the tastes in that market. Yes, and that is, that's a great example actually because the the overall market is chocolate, right? And and if if you asked people on the street, hey. Do you like chocolate? It, you might get eight out of ten people will say they like chocolate. Well, that's already a pretty good sign, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you might go to Germany and you might ask them uh, and get the same results. Now, in terms of taste, they have different taste. But if we're just talking about the market itself, the market itself is cho- chocolate. Now, uh, Nestle could have decided to go into. Uh, they could have decided to do anything else well, right you, they could you have name decided it, they, to, they're, they're probably in it anyway they're yeah. such a big company yeah, yeah they're probably they're probably in it anyway you're listening to product knowledge the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives but you you understand what i'm saying there's definitely s- certain food commodities that are more popular than others and you know if we're talking about the market for vegemite that's just a there's a market for vegemite outside of australia not very many people right i well, i think about things like maggie you know, Maggie is known in every culture. I mean, I swear, as a kid, you know, every German kid knows Maggie. And then mm-hmm. I have an Indian friend, and he's like, oh, no, we have Maggie, that's Indian. And <laughs> it's in Italy. It's everywhere. Demand can be uncapped in markets, right? So uh, that bottle of Maggie could show up in an episode of Stranger Things and all of a sudden uncap demand mm-hmm. for that in North America, right? That's how, what what influences markets is is, uh, a little bit more tricky to forecast, right? There's there's a bunch of small nudges uh, or sometimes big nudges that happen and they're hard to plan for. Sometimes you can go, okay, well, what are the big things that are going on right now that might influence what we do tomorrow? Uh, But it's harder to read the tea leaves in those senses. And for most entrepreneurs, uh, especially if you're going to bootstrap, uh, and especially if you're not, you know, raising millions or billions of dollars, um, it, it's best not to do something new. It's best to go and look at where does demand already exist, and let's serve that market. Let's do something different, and maybe it would be something like, um, you know, if if the immigration profile of North America changed in a substantial way and you noticed that now might be the time to start importing Maggie or get the the North American uh, distribution license or whatever, right? Um, So, yeah, thinking in these ways is so interesting to me. Uh, And having now experienced it in podcasting, I'm seeing these things happen more and more. Here's another example, actually. 
and we'll see if this plays out. I don't know if it plays out, but let's look at a bunch of different touchstones in the alcohol industry. So millennials are drinking way less than other generations, just way, way less. Uh, when they do drink, if they drink, uh, they are uh, buying higher quality stuff less frequently. So that's one kind of touchdown. There's also um, movements of, I don't know what generation I am. I'm probably uh, a young Gen X. Um, so Gen X now, we're, in, we're almost in our 40s. And uh, a lot of us, including me, are deciding, you know what, we're just, I'm just done drinking. Drinking, is, it's slowing me down. It's affecting my sleep. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out too. And so there's this big sober movement with Gen X folks. Okay, this is interesting, right? And if you, if you keep kind of reading all the touchstones, you go, wow, there's, there might be a movement here. And then you start reading the, the media pieces. Now, you got to be careful because sometimes the media is just writing about something because it's interesting. But, you know, I think there's been 10 New York Times uh, pieces now on this whole sober curious movement. And it, they call it sober curious because it's folks that are not, uh, they're not like maybe committing being to being sober. sober. Like, yeah, they're not teetotalers, the t- but. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they, they're, they're committed to being sober most of the time. And now we have uh, sober bars opening up, right? And this is kind of version two. I don't know if you remember the, the whole smart drinks um, thing that happened, especially actually in Edmonton, Calgary, when there was uh, raves and electronic dance parties. They wanted to open all night. They wanted to dance all night, but you can't serve alcohol oh, yeah. uh, all night. And so there were, the regular bar would be open until a certain time and then like two in the morning the smart drinks bar would open up this is in the 90s this happened and so now we're having a second wave of this but it's it feels different it's it's uh more folks exploring kind of this sober options and so now in san francisco if you're a funded startup uh there's actually three or four startups that are pursuing uh creating drinks that are have the the emotional feel of alcohol, but have no alcohol in them. So these are expensive drinks you that can are spend just as no much, br- but you don't get the alcohol. Yes, you can, and you have and the, the feeling in your but, hand of having a drink with alcohol in it, but but you don't get drunk. No buzz. Exactly, exactly. And actually, that what you just described is exactly the emotional job to be done. When you're sober, right? What do you really want when you're out for drinks with friends? Emotionally, you want to fit in and you just want a drink in your hand. It doesn't really matter what the drink is as long as you kind of fit in in the group, right? And so these folks have noticed this and they're going, oh, what if we could give the sober folks a drink in their hand that made them feel fancy, that made them feel like they're having a night out, that made them feel like they're a part of the group, but without the alcohol, and so we'll see if this works out, but I think that's a good B2C example of how this can play out. And maybe this is a rising wave that actually goes a long way. It'll be definitely interesting to see. Justin, you've been a fantastic guest. I want to thank you again for, for coming and joining us. Where can the listener go to, to find out more about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I write every week 
on justinjackson.ca. You can sign up for the newsletter there. I send it out Saturday mornings. And if you want to uh, see me work out my material, I do that on Twitter. I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin. M-I, Justin. Awesome. Thank you again, Justin. It's been really fantastic. That's it for this episode of Product Knowledge and our conversation with Justin Jackson of Transistor FM. Check out the episode notes for links to Justin and his favorite coffee shop. Visit graphosproduct.com where you can find more about Graphos, our services, ideas, or more podcasts or our blog. All our podcasts are transcribed for the deaf and hard of hearing. Reach out on Twitter at Graphos Product or email us through the form on graphosproduct.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrea Schwabe.